Good morning, good morning. Look, we had a crazy time getting here this morning. They, uh, look, the, the devil didn't want us to come. That's what I'm going to say. But we're here. My truck breaks down in Tallulah, throwing coolant everywhere, and I call my wife, and I said, hey, we're broke down in Tallulah. She's like, you're lying. I said, why, why would I lie about that? She's like, you're way too calm. I said, we're going to, she's like, what's your plan? I said, I'm preaching. I don't know how we're getting there. We might take an Uber, but I'm preaching. We're getting there one way. So before I start, y'all can sit down. Y'all can sit down. I just want to thank Pastor Tony and Miss Bethany for letting me come back. You know, it's one thing to get invited one time, but when you get invited back, that's a blessing. That's a great thing. So I'm excited. And plus, how many of y'all remember Pastor Tyler? When he came the week before me, I think it was, and uh, I was like, I'll go after you because I'll let you set the bar, then I'll just beat the bar. Well, I got invited back. You see what I'm saying? I'm just, hopefully this is recorded. I'm just going to say, we share an office, so this is kind of like a little fun battle back and forth. So if that's recorded, I'll save that part and, uh, and get that to him. But this morning, I got a great message, and I know it's great because we almost didn't make it here. I know it's going to be for someone because I almost didn't make it here. Um, I do want to acknowledge, though, my two guys right here, Jeremy and Kyle. These guys work with me every week in junior high. Man, they're great guys. When I said, hey, I need someone to ride with me without hesitation, they're like, we're coming with you. We got this. So these guys are awesome. I appreciate them coming. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into this thing, man. I'm excited. Today's message is called Here Now. And it's awesome that we sing that song. You know, it's, I'm like, this is, I, I think I said it out loud. This is perfect. I'm like, come on, man. This is, how much better could this be? I want to start out with a story. And uh, it goes like this. A man fell off a cliff but managed to grab a tree limb on the way down. The following conversation ensued. Is there anyone up there? I am here. I am the Lord. Do you believe in me? Yes, Lord, I believe. I really believe. But I can't hang here much longer. That's all right. If you really believe you have nothing to worry about, I will save you. Just let go of the branch. A moment later with a pause. Is there anyone else up there? It can be hard to hold on when you're expecting a miracle. It can be hard to hold on when you don't know what the following is, what's coming up next. I want to take two examples from the Bible from the same scripture and show you how Hard it is through the obstacles that led to their miracle, what it took to get through to their miracle, and what would it take if we were to ask, our question, ask the question, what would it take to let that happen here and now? What would it take? What obstacles would we have to go through to get that to happen? So we're going to read in Matthew 9, 18 through 26. When you're there, say amen. All right, we got one. All right, we good. We roll it. Everyone else going to have to catch up. Matthew 9, 18 through 26. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rode and followed him and his disciples. And behold, a woman who suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I can touch his garment, I will be made well. 
Jesus turned to her and said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand. A girl, a girl rose, and the report this went through the district. I want to go straight into the first thing is to get through an obstacle, you got to go to Jesus. To get to your miracle, you got to go to Jesus. Verse 18 says, while this, she was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come put your hand on her and she will live. This ruler, now Matthew doesn't elaborate on who this ruler is, but Mark does, and it's Jairus. Jairus had made the trip because he needed a miracle. Regardless of the crisis that was going on in his family, he needed a miracle. And he heard of Jesus, and he knew that Jesus could make that miracle happen. He believes that Jesus is the one. He believes with everything inside of him to make the distance, to go through the trouble. He believes that Jesus is the one. And then in verse 20, just then a woman who had a subject of bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his garment. This woman has been faced with many difficulties for the, the following 12 years. But let me go a little bit further. Mark gives a little bit more detail. She's already gone to all the doctors. She's already paid all the money to make it happen. She's already seen all these different things take place. But it wasn't the thing that healed her. She needed to go to Jesus. She knew she needed to get to Jesus. When we see these things, where have you gone in your life to seek a miracle that you were desperately needing? For me, it was intimacy. If I could seek something as close to me, if I could get something close, it would make me feel just a little bit more whole inside. Or maybe it's adventure. Maybe it's the lack of, of the staying in that mundane spot Monday through Friday that you're like, I just need to seek something of excitement. I need to go skydiving. I need to go jump off a building. I need to do something to get some adventure in my life because it's not working here. Or maybe it's wealth. Maybe you just think your miracle will come if you have all the money. If I have enough money to cover all these things, I'll be happy. It'll make me right. I can get my miracle. I need money. Have you done all that the world says to do to make your life perfect and still found yourself empty? You've done everything right. You switched your life around. You no longer do drugs. You no longer sleep with all these crazy ladies. You no longer go to the bar. You no longer do these things. You're doing it right, but you still feel empty. You still feel lost. You still feel like there's not anything better. But my question to you is, what are you trusting in and what are you going towards? Are you trusting in your medicine? Maybe it's the education or the relationships you're in. Or maybe it's money. Maybe it's your friends. Or maybe you're just sitting here like, I'll give anything. I don't care what it is. I'll put my trust in anything at this point. There's nothing wrong with these things. You can put your trust in some money. You can put your trust in your education, relationship, friends, money. But if that's the foundation that you're setting all your trust on, that's the problem. If that's the anchor of your life, your life is destined to be shaken. If that's the anchor of wherever you're putting all your stuff, you're destined to be waved back and forth. Because the foundation needs to be Jesus. 
You can put those things on top of Jesus, and Jesus is going to make sure you stay afloat. He's going to make sure you're not rocky. You're not going to sway, but it has to be Jesus first. If you've reached a place where all these remedies have failed and everything's exhausted, then maybe here and now it's time to say, Jesus, I'm coming to Jesus. This is my time. I'm standing on it. I'm going for the King of Kings. I'm standing for the Lord of Lords, but I'm standing for Jesus. I've put my trust everywhere else. It's Jesus. In 1988, the evening news reported on a photographer who was a skydiver. He had jumped out of a plane along with numerous other skydivers and filmed the group as they fell and opened their parachutes. On the film shown on a telecast of the final skydiver shoot, the picture went berserk. The announcer reported that the cameraman had fallen to his death having jumped out of the plane without his parachute. It wasn't until he realized for the absent of the ripcord that he realized he was free-falling without a parachute. Until that point, the jump probably seemed really fun. But tragically and foolishly, he died because his faith was in a parachute that was never buckled on. Faith in anything but the all-sufficient God will leave you drastically wanting more. It will leave you tragically needing more. This was a fun trip for the skydiver. He jumped out. He was excited. But all his faith was in a parachute. If you step out in anything you got going on and your faith and your trust isn't in God, it's a tragically shaken, broken ground that you're going to land on. And it might be the last jump. The question in the statement today is before you reach for your miracle, make sure you're reaching in the right direction. Before you reach for your miracle, make sure you're reaching in the right direction. He reached for his ripcord and his ripcord wasn't there. You need to reach for Jesus and make sure Jesus is there before you make a move. You've got to go to Jesus. The second thing would be you need to go against the flow. And a lot of times this can be difficult. In verse 21, she said to herself, if only I can touch his garment, I will be healed. As Jesus went to the home of this important man to raise the dead, a crowd followed him, impressed on him. Can you imagine if Jesus walked into this room? You all would turn your attention away from me and hit that door as fast as you can. But now picture a woman being behind this crowd who's already not supposed to be there because if she's in a group of people and she's unclean, she's already against everything she's allowed to do anyways. So here she is corralling on the ground through people, going against the grain, a tough situation because she knows if she can just touch the garment, she don't need to talk to him. She doesn't need to have a conversation. She just needs to touch the garment to be healed. That's what she needs. Consider this. How long had she had been sick? She was sick for 12 years. Drained for 12 years. Some of us get sick with a cold in two days. We're not getting off the couch. It's me for sure. My wife had two kids and I get a cold and it's the end of the world. Like I'm done. And she knows. I'll get like a sniffle. She's like, all right, cancel everything for the rest of the week. Just cancel it. I'm here. But this lady's sick 12 years. And she knew 
and she fights just a little bit harder, if she presses just a little bit harder, she only has to do it one more time. She only has to press through one more time, and she'll get her miracle. Verse 23 says, when Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, go away. The girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. Think of Jairus for a minute. Jairus was an important man. He was a respected man. He had a reputation that needed to be kept. He had a reputation with men that was of great stature. But the mocking was directed at him. And no doubt it was testing everything he believed in in that moment. He had all the power to go chase after Jesus and bring him back. But when your haters start mocking and your people start pointing, that's when the real trust, that's when the real belief starts to kick in. Because if you can stand in front of them and say, no, my healing is right here. And I'm, I'm, you're facing with it. You're faced with the haters. Sometimes it's better just to tell them, get away. Get away. Separate. I need my space. My healing is right here. Separate. Both of these two individuals were willing to reach out with everything they had, as hard as it was, when faith didn't seem so easy. They were willing to reach and press and go against the grain when it didn't feel right to everyone else. The question is, What currently tries to pull you away from your faith? Is it your career? Is it your attitude? Maybe it's kids' sporting events. You know, I get it all the time that it said, where were you at Wednesday? Oh, I was at a baseball game. But if the kid is at the baseball game, then the parent is at the baseball game. And then not just the student is missing out on Jesus, but now the parent's missing out on Jesus. So what's pulling you away from your faith? Maybe it's your family. Maybe you're like the the woman with the issue right here, and it's just the length of time that you've been dealing with the issue. My mother-in-law has been dealing with lupus for many years. But she still has faith to say, I'm going, my miracle's on the way, I'm going to step in, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to judge, it's coming, I'm going to reach out. I may not be able to get my hair right, but I'm still going to church on Sunday. I may not look presentable, but I'm still going to be there when the presence hits the room because that's my healing. Come on, you got to go against the grain sometimes. You got to go against the flow. Listen to this. Faith doesn't float downstream. Faith swims upstream. Faith requires you to trust the unseen. You got to go against the grain. You got to go against the flow. An African impala can jump to a height of well over 10 feet and a distance greater than 30 feet. Yet these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure at a zoo with a three-foot wall. The animals will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. Faith is the ability to trust what you cannot see. And with faith, faith, we are freed from the films, the enclosures of life that fear holds us to. This impala can jump 
over anything it's put in front of it, but because it cannot see where his feet's landing, it does not jump. And listen to me, I'm telling you right now, if you're walking with Jesus and you can't see the floor, you still need to jump because he's waiting for you. He's got his hands out ready to catch you. If you're needing your miracle, but you're afraid to step out, step out because here and now your miracle is waiting. If you've been having issues with something, here and now is your chance because he's here and now for that moment. Come on, y'all. The third thing is you need to believe the impossible. Believe the impossible. Verse 18, while he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come put your hand on her and she will live. Death seems pretty final to me. If I was to tell you that something has died, you would think that's pretty much the end game for that that thing. Death is pretty final. But Mark tells us that Jairus' friends told him not, not to bother the teacher. The girl was dead. But Matthew tells us that he brings his request for dead girl to Jesus. Jesus turned and saw her and says, take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Jesus pinpoints her faith in the thing that she needed healed. Not faith in itself, but faith in Jesus had the power to make it happen. Even though she had tried everything. Everything in the past, she's tried it. Even though she has done all this stuff, she spent all the money she needed to spend, all the doctors that she needed to see, she's done everything. She was willing to try one more thing. A lot of times we can get caught up in, I've already tried that. I've already done that. I do it with my daughters all the time. Did you do this? Yeah, Dad did it already. Well, did you do that? Yep. How about, yep. Yep. And we can get like that too. You're sick. Did you pray? Yes, I prayed. Did you fast? Yes. Did you do? Yes. Sometimes you got to do just a little bit more. You got to come in and grab just a little bit of the garment. You got to step in front of your haters and say, it's all right. Get out. Get out. I don't need you here. I need him here. I don't need you here. I need him here. This is my healing. You are a distraction. Does it seem impossible to you this morning? In your mind, have you ever wandered off too far to feel like you can be forgiven or you can be healed? Have you ever gone too far? Have you done too much? Have you exhausted everything else in your life that right now it just feels like it's too much? I can't go any further. I don't want to go any further. It's impossible to go any further. I don't want to. Is your circumstance impossible to set right. My life was crazy when I was growing up. I was adopted in third grade. I was done all these things, and I thought my life was destined to fail. My ninth grade teacher said, you will amount to nothing when you get older. I get in high school, and my track coach says, hey, man, let's, uh, let's try some track. Let's try running track. I'm like, oh, great. 16, my parents kicked me out. I lived in a car. You want to keep the car? You want to sleep warm at night? Get gas in the car. All these things were piling up against me. I joined the army. I get hurt. I get medically separated. Again, what are you going to do with your life? That avenue's ended. Where are you going? Things are coming against you. Instantly, in that moment, I could have stopped. I said, I'm done trying. 
Everything I touch breaks. Everything I see fails. Everything I, I come up against, it doesn't work. I'm done. Maybe this life just isn't meant to be. Maybe it just isn't happening. And I would stand up here in life. I say, you, I did not comp- contemplate suicide twice. If I did not get sent to a, a home twice. Because life can throw some things at you that you're not ready for. It can seem impossible and you may not be ready for. Things that you're going against, things that you're struggling with right now, you look good on the outside, but on the inside you're just begging for just a touch of the garment. You're begging for it. And Jesus is here now. You're struggling. You're walking sideways. People are chattering in your ear that it's not going to work. You've tried everything. You're looking at things like, how am I going to pay for that? How am I going to handle that? Your trucks broke down in Tallulah. How are you going to deal with that? But here and now, he's ready. And he's wanting you to just reach a little bit further. Maybe you came in here for the first time and you're like, I'm going to give this church thing a try. And Jesus is like, please, just reach a little further. You got into the building. Now just reach for the garment. Just reach for the garment. Come on. Climate change must must precede climate change. Climate control must precede climate change. Jesus dramatically shows us in the order to change the climate, there must be climate control. He controlled the climate rather than allowing the climate to control him. It would have been easy if I, was, if I was to look at Jesus to get distracted. All these different things going on around me. You're on one mission. You're trying to go there. I know whenever I, my wife goes to the store to get groceries, she comes back with everything. I was like, we just needed eggs. We got $300 worth of groceries because there's a lot of distractions that happen. I can see Jesus here. I'm just trying to go heal this person. They say he's dead. She's dead. I'm just going to try to heal this person. And now I got this lady coming up and touching me. I got this crowd gathering around me. It could be easy for Jesus to get distracted. But not only Jesus. It could get easy for everybody that's trying to get their miracle to get distracted. This crowd that gathered around Jairus' house, it would have been easy for Jairus to get distracted. This group of people that crowded Jesus for this lady, it would be easy for her to just say, man, that's a lot. That's a lot. Before I get made heal, if I get caught, I'm done. It would be easy to get distracted. But here's what Jesus does. Jesus clears the house. He didn't wait for it to clear. He didn't wait for them to leave on their own. He didn't wait for the the agenda to just work itself out. No, he stepped up and said, get out. Clear out. I don't need the distractions. Clear out. And when the lady touched his garment, he didn't freak out on her. He didn't yell at her. He didn't say, what are you doing? Why did you do? It wasn't a condescending push. He knew she needed her healing. He knew she needed her miracle, but he knew she needed to push for her miracle. It didn't matter where they were, the time they were. Jesus didn't have to go to the house to get the lady to to rise from the dead. She didn't need to touch the garment. He could have done all of that. But Jesus took this moment to say, hey, I'm going to show you distractions. I'm going to show you work. But when you work for your miracle, it gets a little bit better. When you work for your miracle, it's easy to stand up with your chest pumped up, a little dance in your step. You come in Sunday morning, Pastor, I'm done healed. I've done been touched. I'm done made right. It's a little bit easier when you put in the work for something to come back and talk about it. Jesus recognized this instantly. 
That before he could be of any change and before the climate would be conducted for a miracle, he had to deal with the doubters, the haters, the scoffers, and the unbelievers. He had to deal with it. Healing enters when haters exit. Healing enters when haters exit. We could have an altar call right now, but if there's unbelievers in this room that don't believe that it's possible, healing's going to be a lot tougher to enter. You got to believe that he has the power to make it right. You have to believe that he has the power. Before I roll into this conclusion real quick, can you play just that, that song just to click? We can just run it light. Can you do that for me? I'm probably putting them on the spot. <laughs> Jesus specializes in the things that were thought to be impossible. If it's thought to be impossible, that's the stuff Jesus is like, I want to I do this. If someone says it's impossible, Jesus is like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to specialize in, in this right now. If you feel like it's impossible, I want to I I go there right now. It's so simple. It's so simple. But in the case of these two women, one very old and one very young. But one touch from Jesus made all the difference. One touch. One push. One crowd. One Jesus. Made all the difference. Age doesn't matter. How long you're dealing with it does not matter. What you're dealing with does not matter. The more impossible, the better. If it seems crazy, Jesus can do it. If it seems like you've done, exhausted everything you possibly can can do to achieve it, Jesus can do it. If you've been struggling with it, Jesus can do it. He can do it now. He can do it here. You don't have to walk out of the doors holding on to it. You don't have to wait till next week. He can do it right now. Three things. Go to Jesus. Go against the flow and believe the impossible. I'm going to have you all stand up. I don't know if you can even hear me on this mic. Okay. I'm going to have you all stand up. And if I can have the prayer team come.